Chapter 11 Consecration Before fullness can be obtained, the second step that needs to be taken by those of us who have been living without it is consecration, a word that is very common and popular, much more common and popular, it is feared, than the thing itself. In order to be filled with the Holy Spirit, one must first be cleansed and then one must be consecrated. Consecration follows cleansing and not vice versa. Intelligent comprehension of what consecration is and of what it involves is necessary for an intelligent consecration of oneself. Sanctification Consecration is another word for sanctification. Many people are confused about what sanctification really is. We must bear in mind that we are not considering the theological term sanctification, but the use of the New Testament word sanctify or sanctification. No one would confuse consecration with cleansing, and yet many confuse sanctification with cleansing. They tell us that to sanctify is to purify, to cleanse, or to make holy. But the idea of purification, of cleansing, of separating from sin, is not in the New Testament word sanctify at all. Scripture Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 that does not mean purify you or separate you from sin, as a glance at two other passages in which the same word occurs will show. Scripture, For their sakes I sanctify myself. John 17, 19. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. 1 Peter 3, 15. Here it cannot mean purify or separate from sin. In these passages its true meaning is very apparent. To set apart for a holy use, to separate to God, to consecrate. To cleanse is to separate from sin, but to sanctify is to separate to God. To set apart for God that which has already been separated from sin. We cannot set apart to a holy use, consecrate, that which is not cleansed. Hence, we see why it is that cleansing must precede sanctification or consecration. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her. Greek ecclesia, called out ones, by the washing of water with the word. Ephesians 5 26. Sanctification is not identical to cleansing, but it is its complement. Scripture We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Hebrews 10 10. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, Suffered outside the gate. Hebrews 13 12. From these passages we gather that it is by the blood of Jesus we are sanctified, set apart to God. This is another function of the precious blood in addition to the one we have already been considering, namely cleansing from the guilt of sin. Surrender. In conversion, says Dr. Chalmers, God gives to me, but in consecration I give to God. Most people know that conversion should be acquainted with consecration. In full and glad surrender I give myself to thee. Consecration involves surrender, total, absolute, unconditional, and irreversible. This is Paul's teaching in Romans. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of worship. Romans 12, 1. 
These people had already given their souls to God, and now the apostle insists on their giving their bodies too. Present, the King James Version says, yield yourselves to God as those alive from the dead. Romans 6.13. Life first, then sacrifice. Do we have life in Christ? Then it is imperative that we yield or present ourselves to God. It is not a matter of individual choice or taste or convenience, but everyone who has been revived from the death in trespasses and sins is commanded, yes, commanded, to present themselves to God. Have you obeyed this command? If not, why not? God excuses no one. Shouldn't you attend to it now? Yes, before you read or listen to another line. It follows as a result that if we yield ourselves, we yield everything else to God. Nothing is withheld. What loss we suffer because we will hold back some little thing. A little child was once playing with a valuable vase, and he put his hand into it and could not pull it back out. His father also tried his best to get it out, but all in vain. They were talking of breaking the vase when the father said, Now, my son, make one more try. Open your hand and hold your fingers out straight, as you see me doing, then pull. To their astonishment, the little fellow said, Oh, no, Pa, I couldn't put out my fingers like that, for if I did, I would drop my penny. He had been holding on to a penny all the time. No wonder he couldn't remove his hand. How many of us are like him? Drop the copper, surrender, let go, and God will give you gold. Now let's note that the verb translated in the King James Version as yield in Romans 6.13 and present in Romans 12.1 is not in the present tense in the original, which would be as if Paul had said, be yielding, keep presenting. Instead, it is in the aorist tense, which means the general emphasis is on a definite act having been done and finished. So when the command to present yourself to God is obeyed, as far as one's understanding goes, the person is entitled to regard the transaction as a completed act, and to say, yes, I have presented myself to God. Then faith presses on the heels of that statement and says, God has accepted what I have thus presented. It is absolutely necessary that faith be in action on this point. For what will be the practical outcome of all my presenting if I do not believe that God takes what I give? Scripture The one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. John 6.37 is just as appropriate to the saint seeking full salvation as to the sinner seeking pardon. It is failure here, failure to apprehend by faith the fact that God receives what I present, that has blocked progress for so many of God's people who truly desire to live consecrated lives. From this we can see that consecration is a crisis, a moment, in the life of the believer, just as cleansing is. It's not a process, but it too is a crisis that leads to a process. Transference of Ownership Consecration implies and involves transference of ownership. Many a Christian today lives as if he belongs to himself, but the consecrated heart endorses the statement of the divine word, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? 
for you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 The consecrated person looks upon himself as the absolute property of the Lord who bought him, and his whole life is lived in the light of this fact. Enthroning Christ Consecration involves the glorifying of Christ, the enthroning Him, the crowning of Jesus as Lord of all in our own heart and life. Crown Him, crown Him, Lord of all. And, says Dr. Hudson Taylor, if you do not crown Him Lord of all, you do not crown Him Lord at all. This view of consecration, with its accompanying results, is beautifully illustrated for us in Scripture. He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. John 7, 38-39 The flowing forth of the rivers, just the outflow, the overflow of the infilling Spirit, was dependent on Jesus being glorified. Jesus had not yet reached the throne, and so the Spirit had not yet been given. The reason why they had not come to Pentecost was that as yet there was no ascension. Ascension preceded Pentecost. Let's learn it by root of heart that every Pentecost since the first has, in similar manner, been preceded by an ascension. Have we experienced Pentecost for ourselves? If not, the reason is close at hand. Jesus has not been glorified by us, not enthroned in our hearts. He may be in the heart, he may even be in the throne room, but he has not been placed upon the throne. There has never been a coronation day in our lives when, in full and glad surrender, we placed the crown on the many-crowned head, crying, Crown him, crown him, Lord of all. Scripture Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Revelation 22, 1 When Christ reached the throne at the Father's right hand, the river began to flow from underneath His throne. The Holy Spirit was given, and His church received her Pentecost. Scripture Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, He has poured forth this which you both see and hear. Acts 2, 33 so when Christ is exalted, enthroned, and glorified in the believer's heart, the rivers will begin to flow from underneath His throne according to promise. But no ascension, no Pentecost. Let's remember, as has been already stated, that though life begins at the cross, service does not begin till Pentecost. No Pentecost, no service worthy of the name. We do not need to be concerned with how the rivers flow from us, or be troubled about what channels they flow in. They flowed from Peter in one way, and from Paul in quite another, and from Barnabas in yet another. There are infinite varieties of ways. We do not need to be troubled at all about the rivers and the direction of their flow. Our concern is to glorify Jesus, to see that He is on the throne, and then it becomes His business to see that the rivers are flowing. There is not the slightest danger that the blessed business with which he charges himself will be neglected. There are other aspects of consecration in the divine word which have not been touched upon, but enough has been said for our purpose to show what it is and what its blessed results will be. 
Our life and service will be enriched beyond telling by enthroning Christ. This, of course, involves the breaking of all our idols, for He will not share His throne with any. When Mahmud, the conqueror of India, had taken the city of Gujarat, as was his custom, he proceeded to destroy the idols. There was one fifteen feet high that its priests and devotees begged him to spare. He was deaf to their appeals, and seizing a hammer, he struck it with one blow. To his amazement, from the shattered image, a shower of gems, pearls, and diamonds rained down at his feet, treasure of fabulous value that had been hidden within it. Had he spared the idol, he would have lost all this wealth. Let us not spare our idols. It is to our benefit to demolish them. If we shatter them, the very treasures of heaven will rain into our hearts, the gifts and graces of the Holy Spirit. But if we spare our idols, we will miss unfathomable riches. The consecrated life is a Christ-centered life, the only truly centered life. Every other life is eccentric. Yet how often do we hear worldly people or worldly-minded Christians, what a contradiction in terms, criticizing some devoted spirit-filled man or woman as so eccentric, simply because of their loyalty to Christ their King, when all the while it is the critics who are eccentric, off the true center. Indeed, the first spirit-filled crew appeared so eccentric that others were mocking and saying they are full of sweet wine. Acts 2.13. So they were full of new wine, the new wine of the kingdom. And in God's sight, these drunken, eccentric men were the only truly centered, spiritually adjusted men in the crowd.